Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Welcome back to Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study Podcast. We're glad you could join us and be part of our family. Before we get into the word, LaCharles, can you please pray for us? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for what you have blessed us with this week, Lord, and the little things that you have given us that we tend to overlook, Lord. I just thank you for everything that you have given us in our lives, Lord, even if we don't truly know how much it's value is to us lord lord i just thank you for these podcasts lord and i just thank you for what you have been doing around the world lord and how you have spread your word in Jesus' name amen amen amen. well welcome everyone and welcome back dean it's a again pleasure to have you with us as always i'm the one that gets the blessing so thank you for having me (laughs) all right so we're continuing our study with daniel and We left off in chapter 9, so we're going to pick it up there. But before we begin, I just want to explain something real quick uh, in the way that we are studying Daniel today, uh, and have been actually this whole time, is it's very different than how uh, I've ever been led or how the Lord through his Holy Spirit has ministered to me in studying Daniel. We're not necessarily, or we have not necessarily explained the prophecy and the meaning and how it applies in real-world events that have happened to confirm what has been spoken. But the Lord has had us go through and study the book of Daniel in order to explain or help us understand the Lord's nature his character, and his attributes. So we can come into a right understanding and knowledge of the Lord, who he is, and his desire, which is to have a relationship, a personal, intimate, deep relationship with us. And and that's the foundation. You know, we can study scripture, and if we don't have that foundation, really, not just knowing about the Lord, we can incorrectly apply things to the word or incorrectly understand the word. And then that impacts the entire relationship that we have with the Lord. It's a misunderstanding. But the more time we spend in his presence and knowing him and letting the Holy Spirit minister and reveal the the Lord truly, his thoughts, his ways, his nature, his character, and his desire for us, each of us, then we can begin to truly understand what the Lord is saying, of course, by the Holy Spirit ministering to us as we study the Word. But then we can begin to understand the deeper things of Scripture correctly, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. So today, as we have throughout this whole study, we are going to continue not so much explaining the, what the prophecy and what it means, but what the Lord is sharing and ministering to us concerning him, his thoughts, his ways, his nature, and his character. 
All right? Okay. Okay. Now, can I... We're going to begin in chapter 9, verse 20. Can I get a volunteer to read from verse 20 through the end of the chapter, please? I will. All right, I promise. Go for it. Now, while, speak, while speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, caused, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of even, evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter, understand the vision. Seventy weeks will be determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. To make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to steal a seal of visions and prophecy, and to anoint the Most High. Now therefore, and understand, that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and sanctuary. The end of it shall be a flood, until the end of the war desolations are determined. They should confirm a covenant with many for one week. For in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and, to, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who takes desolate, even until the consumption which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Mm-hmm. All right, so as is our, our custom here, what is the Holy Spirit ministering to you? And or what questions do you have? We'll begin and opening up to you to share. All right? Yes. Okay. Who wants to begin? Um, I would like to. There was just two things that the Lord was showing me. First one was when Daniel was talking about being at the evening prayer when Gabriel came. It just reminded me that Daniel took his own time to pray before he went with other believers to get into the word of God. He took his own separate time with the Lord in order to make sure his heart was truly clean before him. And the second thing I wanted to point out was that the Lord was already sending his messenger while Daniel was still praying um, and confessing his sins. The Lord was already sending Gabriel to go help Daniel understand. That just shows that the Lord is not doesn't want us to be uh, ignorant or unaware. Yes, unaware of what the devil has planned and what the game plan is. He wants us to be wise and he wants us to be shrewd, but he doesn't want you to get into a place where you think you know everything and you can go do it yourself. He gives you enough that you can continue to move forward in his goals and what he tells you to go to do. 
Well stated, sir. Anyone else? Oh, you good to go? No, go ahead. Charles, I just want to add to what you were saying there, and that, and we look at the second part of verse twenty-two. It's actually confirming that in that here he's sending Daniel um, a messenger to give him understanding. So Daniel, who we would consider to be a pretty mature Christian at this point, if we were looking at it in today's world, yet he still needed insight from the Lord to get that. So where he expects us to have insight and understanding and to grow in wisdom, he also expects us to lean on him to obtain that at the same time. There's never that self-reliant um part of our Christian walk. It's an ongoing relationship that grows, continues to grow and mature. Absolutely. Go ahead, sir. Like how Bubba is talking about that the Lord is going to keep him to keep you not knowing everything. But the Lord's also showing me it wasn't just that so you didn't know everything. It was just so that you're not overwhelmed with it. Yes. Because after all, it was just because so you didn't know everything. That would make, make it seem like the Lord is just trying to be just and keep you in the darkness. Yes, he gives you what you can handle. Okay. Well, when does he give it? When Before you, you need it. Okay. When you're ready for it. What does it say in this? We'll just look at this particular instance, right? What does it say about Daniel and when Gabriel was sent? He says it twice. Verse 20 and verse 21. At the beginning of his supplications. Exactly. While he was speaking. While he was praying, at the beginning of his prayers, Daniel was sent. Now, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. In chapter 10, there's a similar statement made. It says, as soon as you set your heart to understand. Right? Yes. That an angel was sent to provide that understanding. So... And we're talking about the nature and character of the Lord. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to know and to understand. We should also now understand our role in this. It's to, when we set our affections towards the Lord, and our heart is willing and open to understand, truly understand, not coming with our own preconceived notions or ideas, but to listen. Thoroughly, completely, and move forward in what the Lord has in its entirety. That's when the Lord ensures that we understand. Right, verse 21 says the same thing. While I was speaking in prayer. And but let's look at that. Because we have gone over the the prayer of thus far in chapter nine nine, right? Verses one through nineteen. Did Daniel even ask to understand anything? Or was he just acknowledging we were wrong? He was just acknowledging. And then also encouraging himself, right? 
in the Lord and in his, the Lord's nature and character and the things that the Lord had done for, well, say, for Israel, the children of Israel, all time. Right? Yes. So it wasn't that Daniel even asked for understanding. And the Lord provided it and sent his messenger, Gabriel, to help him understand. And then in verse 24, begins explaining, hey, this is what's meant. Yes, you understood Jeremiah in the 70 weeks, right? And why is it 70 weeks? Because this is what the Lord has decreed. This is the time it will last. I think we can all reflect back on our own lives and any discipline that we've received, right? Well, you can't watch TV for whatever it is, a week or whatever the case is, right? Now we can petition and say, hey, no, we, we repent and we're, we, we want to do what's right. But then sometimes that whatever rule has been made in, in the discipline, right, it still stands. We still have to wait out the week or whatever the case is, right? Yes. Why? Is it because our parents, in, that, in the example, excuse me, just want to deprive us of, say, TV? No. Why? Because they want you to be able to grow, and if that plays a role and is a distraction in your life, you have to remove it so that way you can continue to move forward in Christ, not being distracted and drawn away by other objects that can get in the way. And it's also just to reinforce that when you do certain things, there's going to be consequences. You can't expect to get away scot-free. That uh, makes you where you seem entitled to get what you want, and you can do whatever, and you still get it. Mm. Some things just can't be undone, right? Yes. Yes, and, take time. yes or it may take time to, to undo what has been done, right? We can't speed that time up or slow it down. That some things just come with a weight or a burden, if you will, that takes time to undo. And yes, in the case of discipline, it's so that we understand the full weight of that in an attempt to help us understand or teach us the lesson so that we don't go and repeat the same behavior or repeat similar behavior in another way or another area of our life. Amen, honey. What I also see is the willingness for God to hear us. Like, just to understand that sometimes people pray and they don't really think God wants to hear what they have to say or that he's listening or that he cares. And just the understanding that when we pray according to his will, right, which is can be a variety of aspects that you can take on that, but in this case, like you already mentioned, John, that he wasn't accusing God. He wasn't saying, God, you're wrong, and we're right, and you're unjust, and you, you brought us out here to kill us, and you're, you know, you're so unfair. He wasn't saying that, but he was acknowledging what God had already spoken to him about, the people about. They were in this position because of their own disobedience and refusal to return to the Lord, and God cried out to them. He spoke to them repeatedly on it. And on, on scale, as we read through this particular chapter, we hadn't seen an, a large repentance going, God, 
we're here because of our own mess. We're here because we refuse to listen to you and acknowledge you. So when God said, I want you to repent, he let them know what his will was. So when Daniel entered into prayer in that way, he qualified under that first John chapter five. If we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us and we know we have the petition that we asked of him. So understanding God that he wants to hear what you have to say. And he's still holy. He wants you to come to him the right way. So there's freedom and release and understanding God's character. First of all, that he's, he's the one that made the pathway for us to speak with him and have audience. He gave us that. And also how easy it is to come in alignment with him and go, okay, I'm, I can have answers to my prayer. I don't have to sit here and feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. I don't have to feel like I'm alone. I can just go the way that God provided. And that's all right. That's a good thing. Layla, you had something to say? Yes, to the point that you're making, Mommy, about Daniel and his prayers. And Daniel always had the answer to his prayer anytime he asked the Lord for something and set his heart to understand. Of course, that's that's always a big role in that. If we went and looked at First Peter chapter 3, verse 12, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. So as long as you are living according to his word, you can be guaranteed that he hears your prayers because um, the Bible said he said that his ears are open to those that are righteous. His eyes are on you. So if you make sure that you stay in his commandments and walk with him, you always have what you want. It's guaranteed to you, essentially. In your child of God package, as some people like to call it. <laughs> yep, and there may be times that as you walk a righteous life, you know, there's a growing process to that. Um, you know, we each have to come into knowledge and understanding of God for ourselves. And you can be taught and raised your entire life knowing the things of God, but until you bring them to your own heart, do you make them the law of your life, right, and bind them around your your hand, your heart, the front lip between your eyes, you could still miss certain aspects of it, and you still have to grow up into the things of God. So even if you are living righteously, and you maybe are misholding a concept, mm -hmm. for example, and um, there's something God specifically has for you, when you come to him, he'll, he can align that as well. So I want that to be included as well. Yes, God has his ears and his heart towards you is on the ready to bless you. Like, uh, that's, that's true. And if there are things some, that may be out of alignment with him, he's also ready to correct those so that way you can have the answer to what it is that you truly desire, that you can have the petition that you're requesting. So, for example, if I, um, like um, David, he's going, you know, going, God, I'm hurting right now. Avenge me of my enemies. You know, get them back. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of summarizing a variety of prayers that he had. And while God understands the hard, the part of his heart that was hurting, God is still merciful. And he still told us that he desires mercy. He still said, bless those that curse you. Do good to those that spitefully use you. Right? Yes. That is still... God's way of dealing with things so he could take that and go, okay, son, I hear you. Because you're living your life that, in a way that pleases me, I can help you 
to, per, to perceive what my will is, what my best is, so that way you can come in alignment and you can still be granted relief in what you need. So when in a particular scripture, um, Daniel, I mean, David talks about if there's any wicked way in me, you know, like straighten that out for me, God. Let me know if there's anything that I'm doing that is outside of what you want, giving God the opportunity to correct his mindset and his aspects so that way he can be walking right in step with the Lord and God can hear those prayers. We've already, God said, vengeance is mine. So is that in alignment with the Lord? No, but he understands that his righteous man was going with the amount of information he had at the time and he was willing to help him get on track, get square in line with God so he was able to grant relief in his petitions and deliver him. Does that make sense? Yes. I just want to encourage everybody to, you know, as we talk about um, looking at this book and not getting uh, too deep into prophecy, but into understanding the nature of God, it's it's easy for us at any given time, whether we've been walking with the Lord for decades or just began walking with the Lord, to be confused when we get into his word. But God is not the author of confusion. And so we just may be a little bit out of step, right out of time, kind of like what you were talking about, Kamisha. So the understanding God wants us to have in this moment. So, you know, just kind of um, I've always appreciated when I know what to expect. When I know what's coming, it's a whole lot easier to understand what I need to do. So I'm just sharing that if, if you're having confusion, don't be surprised by that. Just recognize it for what it is. It's the enemy trying to steal your understanding. And just turn that into a prayer. God, clear away to things that I don't need to understand right now. And help me see the things that I do need to understand in the word. And to trust you for your timing in which of those they are. And let the rest of it go for right now. Because he knows what's best for you right now. But don't let the enemy keep you in a place of confusion. Because that's not God doing that part of it. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's a great point, brother. <clears throat> great point. And, and you can see that here in this, this scripture. Right? Was the Lord upset? With Daniel, because he didn't have the understanding? Not at no. all. Not at all. What does he send Gabriel to do? Yes, to under to explain, in, or I'll say it in this way, to provide understanding. And I say not explain because it's interesting that in this prophecy, no explanation is given, right? In previous prophecy in this book, there is... The Lord sends a messenger or the Lord himself says, hey, here's, here's the dream. Here's the, the vision. But then here's also the interpretation and, or the meaning of what this, this dream, vision, prophecy is. This doesn't happen here, the interpretation. But in verse 23, Gabriel says, I have come to tell you. And then what? For you are greatly beloved. The Lord doesn't condemn or is, is not upset with Daniel because he didn't have understanding. He, the Lord, and this is part of his nature and his character, encouraged Daniel. He, he first encouraged him. And, and the Lord was stating to Daniel who he was and is to the Lord. So we see that it matters. And again, we see the Lord's nature and character in this building up, not tearing down, right? But he's also, if we look and we look at ministry, 
As, isn't that what he sent? What, what some have called the fivefold for? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. For what? The equipping of the saints. For the building up. Not tearing down. You got to be at the, the doctorate level for us to have a conversation? No. Are you going to be at God's level so we can speak together? No. No. He encourages us. He meets us where we're at when we set our heart on him to know and to understand him and his ways. Why do you think David prayed? Teach me your ways, O God. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. They are higher. So it matters. It's significant. But it's also something that we can learn. And then after encouraging Daniel, that's when Gabriel begins to explain the, um, the prophecy and the message that's been sent. Only after he's encouraged. And again, Dean, just like you brought up, he is outlining the plan so that Daniel can understand the Lord's plan and what he's doing and why he's doing it. Which, again, I think that's the lesson for all of us. You can look at James chapter 1 and see the same concept um, that, you see, that you were talking about, sweetheart. Um, if anyone, if any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. And in Daniel, you see the angel, it just, it kind of blessed my heart. He, Gabriel said he was being caused to fly swiftly. You know, he wasn't just barely flying along, you know, moseying. I can just, you know, you know, when somebody like, you think about something with wings, they're kind of pointed, like when you see a hawk diving, they're pointed backwards and, you know, yeah, and they're, and they're really moving and it, it just touches my heart to see God answers us like that. That's how willing he was. And Daniel is not the only beloved of God. We are all beloved. Equally loved. But do you stand in it? Do you walk in it? Do you trust God's love for you? So just understanding, you know, the same God that we serve today, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God is who's coming to bless him. Sorry, we had some technical difficulties. But you were saying, honey. Yeah, I was just I was just blessed by the tenderness of God's heart that I can see here. Um and you know, the the promptness in which he responded to Daniel was, you know, just beautiful to me. That's all I had to say, honey. What else does anyone want to share? I kind of found it interesting in verse 24 when Gabriel had said that 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish their transgression and to make an end of sins. 
I just found that interesting, and it just kind of reminds me of how God is with us when he when we come to Him in true repentance. He doesn't sweep our sin under the rug and go, "It's not there," but He deals with it, and it's completely wiped out. And um, the visual picture that that creates for me when He says that to make an end of iniquity and making an end of transgressions, it's just no longer there, like it never existed in the first place. If you've ever had white carpet and spilled something in it, and we'll say like a red drink like Kool-Aid, you can see where it is even though you might use a, a super heavy vacuum or carpet cleaner. You can still tell where that stain was. But And God doesn't do it like we would, just uh, clean it up. So you can't see it. It's not as noticeable. It's like he just takes the whole carpet away and puts a new one down, and it was never there. And you could never tell the difference if someone came into your house, oh, your carpet looks great. Yeah, you don't know that I spilled Kool-Aid on it last week because I got it changed out. And that's how it is. That's how we are with God. Nobody would ever know the difference that you've done this in because he completely remakes you, makes it as though it never even happened. Only you and he know what truly happened, and technically that's all that counts as long as you make it right. But even he says he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. Yes. So he doesn't remember our sins anymore. Even God doesn't remember. Now, who does remember is you if you don't allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse your conscience from dead works and the enemy. And, you know, he's the accuser of the brethren who doesn't cease to accuse them day and night. So there's that. But for God, if the sin is unrepented, he will remind you about it so you can get it straight. If it has come under the blood of Jesus, he doesn't remember it. So when he looks at us and thinks about us, he's not going, well, this is, this is Kamisha, the sinner of this, and the one who committed that, and she did this and do that. We wouldn't even be able to have a conversation if God listed out the amount of sins that I've committed in my life if he were going, you know, by a metric of remembrance in that way. But instead, he doesn't even remember it. Like, that's not even a part of our conversation. He doesn't go, Kamisha, remember when you did this? Wait, wait, shh, shh. <laughs> Don't talk because you did this. Right. And the only time sin comes up as a reminder from God is if we have not yet repented it. And he wants to let us know to bring that under the blood of Jesus. For example, um, going back to David again, there was a time where there was drought on the land. There was famine in the land. And David said, why is this happening? And he said, because there was sin in the kingdom before you, the, the generation that was before you. Saul did this to these people. That's why. There's famine in the land now. Go take care of it, and here we go. But as far as if you look at when David sinned with Bathsheba, when did God remind him about that? Only when it was unrepented, right? Yes. That's when he sent the, the prophet and said, uh, let me tell him a story because the sin is, is not covered by the, by the blood. It's not under. It's not repented. You have not accessed the forgiveness that's allotted towards it. You need to do this now. And then after that, we don't see it. He is recalled as who? A man after God's own heart. When we see David referred to later on through scripture, he's not the man that stole somebody's wife and had him killed. He's the man that is after God's own heart. God's servant. Everything, every good attribute that God initially created in him and planned for him. That's how God remembers. So he's still the same good God today, and that's how it actually works. So. Thank you for sharing that, Leyland. I just, I love 
Leo's example, and it just always reminds me of the irony as you're talking about the white carpet and spilling something red on it. But isn't it interesting how blood, which is usually considered as a stain that's almost impossible to get out, is the same thing that washes us and makes us white as snow. Mm-hmm. Just always enjoyed the irony of that. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Anyone else? No pressure. I'm just asking. All right, I just wanted to keep the, the conversation going, if you had anything to add. But uh, I really enjoyed I'll, I'll share this thing first. I really enjoyed, as, as we were discussing, the, the forgiveness aspect. But then also, as you were saying, honey, about not just about unrepentant sin, but that some, some things build up. And we still endure or experience the consequences of actions that that happened long ago right the seed being planted not a good seed a seed of sin and when it brings its fullness right there are things that are suffered as a result so i'll say that to say this how many things do we like daniel should we be repenting for whether it's ourselves in our own lives, whether it's for others, interceding for them on their behalf, or for the nation that we find ourselves in, or other nations in the world. Right? We are the body of Christ. We are his church. We are his people. We, I mean, we're told in scripture, pray without ceasing for all the saints. And I think in here, uh, we should come to a a deeper understanding of why, why it matters and why it's important. There are things that we don't know that, yes, the Lord will reveal, if you will. And, and I don't say that um, without, without knowing or understanding that n- the Lord won't reveal everything. He's not there to embarrass people. But he will put on your heart to, to pray for someone or for something. We may not know the exact reasons why. But we do know our God, and he means it for our, our good, right, to protect us. He's our shelter, our tall tower, our shield and buckler. And he also utilizes his saints, his people, to come in to alignment and participate in the work that he's doing. So we should be doing that. Or whatever it is the Lord's put in our heart, we should be praying for it and lifting it up. And absolutely knowing and expecting and anticipating that the Lord has it done, whether we get to see it with our eyes, like in Daniel, or not. Like in Daniel. Because there are, you know, as we talk about the prophetic here, there are many, and we're going to get to some of them, but it starts explaining it here, prophetic words that are brought to Daniel that he never got to see in his lifetime. So, so you mean the fulfillment of certain yes. words he never got to experience those himself. Correct. That's a okay. much better way to phrase that. Thank you. Okay. So I appreciate you, honey, honey. You're welcome, honey. So, yes, even if we never see the fulfillment, there's still a exercise our faith and trust the Lord that he will do all that he said he will do in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Any questions? On any of that? No. No. 
All right. I do want to touch on a concept um, that we see here really quickly in verse 24, where it's talking about to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So there's a, a concept here that we have to understand, a spiritual concept, that is that, um, do you remember in Genesis when God told Abraham that his descendants were going to go into Egypt and they're going to be slaves for 400 years until the sin of the Amorites is full? And we've already talked about there is a spiritual reality that's happening that is the main reality that's causative, and, but there's a cause and effect coming between both of them. So what we do in this natural realm causes responses in the spiritual realm, which then causes reactions in the natural realm. So they're, they're thing, they, go, they bounce back and forth, if you will. And when he's talking about here, um, words and actions have implications, right? When sin has been dispersed through our actions in the earth, it has an, an, uh, an effect in the spiritual realm, which then has an effect in the natural realm that we see, kind of like a transactional system. And when sin has been released and it's allowed to build up, right, it causes a response. So, because God is just, and like when we turn, and we talked about it may take time before the consequences have subsided, even though we turned at that moment, there's a metric associated with it. Can I pin down exactly, well, this sin is worth two points and that one's worth 10 or 15? No. But I can tell you, based on what we've seen throughout the word and what we're looking at here, when God says to finish the transgression, to, to make whatever was released by these transgressions to pay what needs to be paid or let it finish out its course, if you will, stop it, turn it, and now release the blessing is something that takes, it's a process. It takes time, which is why someone can go, um, for example, if they commit a crime, mm -hmm. but in the midst of them being arrested and going to jail, they repent and say, God, I'm sorry. And then from that time, they're not instantly released but they instead go to jail and they serve a sentence. And then perhaps at some time they're granted parole and released later after they've served time. So you can kind of correlate it to something of that nature. And um, because you repent doesn't automatically stop the, the echo or the wave of what's been left, the sin that was committed, right? But it does open the door for blessing later on if you continue to release the blessing and not further sin. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know that's kind of a complicated um, thought process, but it's there. So we should be aware of it when we're looking at what we're doing in our day-to-day -day life. The thought process that, oh, it's no big deal, it has no repercussions, is a lie. And the, the righteousness that we sow out of our spirit has deep implications. It keeps the door open to the blessing in our life, but it also keeps the curse, right? Which I'm not talking about generational curses, anything like that. I'm talking about Deuteronomy 28 when it says, when you step outside of what God has ordained, 
this is what's going to happen. The enemy is going to come and it's going to cause this and, you know, that's going to happen. They're going to take your wives. They're going to take your stuff. You're going to have holes in your bags. You're going to go out and be defeated. And that is the, that is the repercussion of the sin of disobedience being sown. And that's how it looks, right? That curse. Whereas the blessing, the blessing on obedience looks, you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the field, you're blessed, you know, the, your kneading bowl and your basket and the fruit of your womb and your flocks and your, your herds and those things. So when you open the door to such things, there's an, there's an exchange that happens. When you allow it to heap up and not bring it under repentance, there's another transaction that happens. So for us as, to, as believers to be aware of that, your actions matter. They have a deep implication based, right, keeping the hedge of protection sound or knocking it down to let the enemy run ruckshot. So I just wanted to touch on that for just a little bit. We'll probably have to talk about that in more detail later. I just you you were talking about there as you started in verse twenty four about you use the word reconciliation. Um, my version has a tone, but um, just this week I was speaking with somebody who was talking about how somebody from a church was coming at them with all these words they didn't understand it. Um, the English language is so much more limited than the um, original language and what this was written, and there's so much deeper meanings to so many of the words that are used. You know, when I hear reconciliation. Both my parents were bankers, so I think about getting your books in order and, you know, your debits and credits and all that stuff, and that's kind of, you know, where I go. But I just thought I'd pull up what that what that word is that's used there and the fullness of it so people can understand a little bit deeper in reconciliation. And the word is a kafar, and the definition is to cover over, to pacify, to make propitiation. Mm-hmm. The, the origin, this is where it gets kind of neat, so the origin of the word uh, the primitive root is to cover specifically with bitumen, which was what was used to cover the outside of the ark exactly. to keep the water from getting in. Figuratively, uh, to expiate or condone, to placate or cancel. And the usage of the word, and this is where it gets a little bit better, is to appease, to make atonement, to cleanse, to disannul, to forgive, be merciful, pacify, pardon, purge, put off, and reconcile. So hopefully that'll help. Amen. Amen. So you can see God saying, hey, the pendulum has been swung. It's going to take time for it to reach its distance. And now for God, the the goodness of God to cover it, to make atonement for it, and swing it back in the other direction. So keep that in mind. When the temptation arises in you to go, oh, I'll just cast off restraint, and it's just for this one time. And then that one time leads to 50 times or don't engage in that. Don't indulge that kind of thought process because there is a cost to it. And the moment you turn doesn't always equal the moment you see the change, you know, like the, the repercussions disappear. It doesn't always work that way. So. What, what do you say all the time about sin? <laughs> it takes you further than you want to go, and it makes you stay longer than you want to stay. Amen. And it costs you more than you want to spend. I'll tell you that, too. So that was, that was Dean. Right? Absolutely. So sin is costly, and oftentimes the cost of it is veiled. But when Daniel starts, um, you know, aligning with what God had already said and and confessing and turning, beginning to turn that swing, you know, um, releasing the blessing so the pendulum can come 
back in the other direction, it took some time. And, you know, I appreciate God going, hey, great. Now we're moving in the right direction. Now let's keep going. And all of these things are coming, so be aware. Anybody have anything else they want to add? No. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, can I get a volunteer to, to close this out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Layla. Lord, I just thank you for today and for ministering to us, Lord, as we go through your word, Lord. And I thank you for equipping us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to guide us in the all truth and show us things to come, Lord. And I thank you for the angels that are encamped around us, Lord, that you send out on our behalf to work for us, Lord. And I just thank you for all of your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you, Dean. We are blessed that you are here with us and uh, able to discuss the word with us. Definitely appreciate you. Thankful the Lord for you. So, And for everyone else that's listening, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.